I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's take a look at some haunted hotels around the world. Some to debunk, some to wonder about, and quite a few, I want to stay there. I really want to get a room and stay there. But as always, first shout-outs. I've got a very special shout-out first. Shout-out to Cheyenne. A very special shout-out to Cheyenne. Hopefully... You know which Cheyenne I'm referring to. Do I have... Wait, let's see if I can maybe even be a little bit more specific with the Cheyenne. Uh, Cheyenne Merman, maybe? Hopefully. Cheyenne, thank you so much for listening. There will be more Bigfoot stories coming up very soon. And shout-outs to Aaron, Aaron, Amber, Amy, Angie, Austin, Autumn, Brody, Seth, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, Daniel, David, Devin, Dill, Edgar, Elliot, Erica, Aaron, Fabian, Harley, Harvey, Heidi, J-Mark, Jade, Jamie, Jaime, oh, so close, Jaime, Jason, Jason, Jeff, Jenny, Jennifer, Jim, Joe, John, Joshua, Joshua, Juliana, Kelsey, Kenny, Kira, Kyle, Kyle, Laura, Laura Rutho, hello, Lauren, hello, Lawrence, Lindsay, M. Caballero, Madison, Maggie, hi Maggie, Michaela, Manning, Martin, Matt, Matt, Megan, Megan, Milo. I gotta say, I really hope that, I, I don't know if Milo is an actual uh, animal, but I really hope that uh, Milo is like my first like dog patron. If not Milo, you're very cool. I love you, but I really hope you're a dog or a cat, any kind of pet really. Uh, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Rachel, Reed, Rosa, Sage, Sarah, Sarah, Shelly, Suzanne, Tosh, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis, Trey, Troy, Veronica, and Vincente, and then another special shout-out to Josh as well. So Josh and Cheyenne, special shout-outs to you guys. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Everybody that's been reaching out to me lately, it was a hell week, but I made it through it almost. Almost made it through the whole week. I'm going to definitely make it through tomorrow. It's Friday. Fridays are easy. But if I haven't gotten back to you yet, it's not because I hate you. It's just because I've been too damn busy. All righty. Now it's time for Paranormal News and brand new bumper music. Let's bump the brand new Paranormal Almanac bumper music. Okay, seriously, how awesome was that awesome, incredibly cool bumper music? That is from a musical project called Blonde Mom. So take a look up, uh, check them out, look them up, go online, find them however you can. Blonde Mom, thank you guys so much for that bumper music. I think it is insanely cool. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to shout out you guys as well as Blonde Mom. But, you know, Andrew as well, Blonde Mom, you guys are awesome. Definitely love the new Paranormal uh, paranormal News bumper music you guys have been sending me. All of the new ones. I love them. Keep them up. Keep them coming. 
Thank you guys so much. If you want to submit a Paranormal Almanac bumper music or Paranormal Almanac theme song, send them over to ParanormalAlmanac at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into Paranormal Almanac news, or Paranormal news, as we like to call it. UFOs are flying out from supermassive black holes and reshaping galaxies. That's a great headline, 100% true. So these jets of matter act like snow plows that shove gas around inside galaxies, and for the first time, astronomers have spotted it happening. Hot ionized gas is streaming out of the accretion disk of a supermassive black hole and slamming into its surroundings at a significant fraction of the speed of light. And this kind of ultra-fast outflow, UFO, might explain the nearly empty darkness that surrounds the center of many galaxies. It is very cool. It is more sciencey than paranormal, but with a title like that, with a headline like UFOs are flying out from supermassive black holes and reshaping galaxies, I had to include it. Plus, I like all things science as well, so that's why I debunk a lot of the stuff on here. Okay, up next, Asteroid Shock. Asteroid Shock. NASA preparing for colossal god of chaos rock to arrive in the next 10 years. NASA has begun preparations for the upcoming god of chaos asteroid, which is considered potentially hazardous to Earth as it passes so close to the planet, it'll be underneath TV satellites. NASA has already begun preparations for the arrival of asteroid 99942 Apophis, dubbed the God of Chaos asteroid, which will skim past the Earth in 10 years. The asteroid measures 340 meters across and will pass within just 19,000 miles of Earth's surface. Apophis is one of the largest asteroids to pass so close to the Earth's surface, and a collision with the planet has the potential to be devastating for all life on Earth. So, yeah, that's cool. That's fun. It'll actually be, it'll be so close to Earth that Earth's uh, gravity will affect the asteroid. Maybe you don't name it God of Chaos. Name it something like, I don't know, Chuck or Linus or something non-threatening. So even though we've got 10 years, we have only got 10 years. Now, doomsdayers, I'm not saying that we only have 10 years and you're all going to die within 10 years. But we only have 10 years, and you're all going to die within 10 years. Sorry, everybody. Okay, coming up next on Paranormal News, a paranormal team investigating Fowler's most haunted facilities. This is in Fowler, Indiana. Paranormal investigators are taking over the town of Fowler on Saturday night. Now, hopefully this hasn't passed. No, I don't think it has, actually. I think it's coming up this weekend. Freak Out at Fowler is a paranormal convention, and so we really just want to focus on, uh, we're wanting to focus on the town of Fowler and bring people here to influx the economy a little bit. And I think that's kind of cool that paranormal investigations or conventions or whatever you want to call them actually are helping out these small towns. 765 Paranormal is a paranormal investigation team that sounds a lot like what uh, Jean Ralphio made in Parks and Rec. So I don't understand the 765 part of 765 Paranormal, but whatever. But anyhow, this paranormal team is based in Lafayette. And they said that Fowler was the perfect location to bring the first convention. One place the team is particularly focusing on is the Fowler Theater. So it's a very small town and a very small convention. But again, I think these are fantastic. Addressing if the paranormal claims are true will be up for the community of investigators to decide. The investigations of three locations is going on from 10 p.m. Saturday to 4 a.m. Sunday. 
So if you're in or around Fowler, Indiana, you're listening to this. Otherwise, how would you know I'm saying this? Please go there. Do the investigation. Tell me what it's like. I'll interview you for Paranormal Almanac if you can prove you were there for this Fowler Theater or Fowler Town Paranormal Investigation. I think it sounds cool. I really, really do dig the fact that that's, uh, that's something that can help out the economy. Up next, this crowdsource map documents UFO sightings, cryptids, and the supernatural. If you've had a weird, unexplainable experience, two guys in Seattle want to help you log it and track it on a global map. And uh, it's called Liminal Earth. Like subliminal without the sub. Liminal Earth. It's a web-based mapping tool designed to track the bizarre. It was created by Garrett Kelly, co-founder of the Hollow Earth Radio, and Jeremy Puma, a Seattle-based author, their project acts as sort of a Google Trends for the collective unconscious. So I've been wanting to click on it for a while, but I haven't. I wanted to wait until I was live on air to click on it. So clicking on it now, Liminal Earth, subscribe to our mailing list. Hell yeah. Okay, subscribed. Now let's take a look here. I'm going to go allow that. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you. Okay, I want to go and see what's happening in and around me with the paranormal. There's one thing. What is this? The Lucerne Valley Mirage Gas Station. All right, let's click on this. While driving through the desert with my grandmother, our AC went out in our 2001 Honda Passport. It was incredibly hot. I'm from North Carolina. I was in California for my cousin's high school graduation. In 2008, I was, in, I was a high school junior. I had just returned from a fishing trip in Red Lake, Ontario before heading out to California. While in Canada, I spent some time with some local indigenous folk for two weeks, I drank a type of local root beer with them. It was the best I'd ever had in my... Oh, my God. Get to the fucking paranormal. Um, uh, indigenous Canadian root beer. Wait, what? This whole thing was about root beer? I thought this thing's supposed to be about paranormal. Okay. Let me click... Let me, let me, let me try something else. Then I'll click the one that looks like a UFO... Joshua Tree UFO. I was camping by myself at the Joshua Tree National Park and taking long exposure photos in the dark. No one was in the campground with me. It was about 11.30 p.m. when I saw a flashing circle light in the sky. It sounded like a really... It sounded like a really quiet passing over me. Okay. The sound constantly went off and on and then completely stopped. The long exposure photo of the UFO showed kind of a flare where it flew by me and two glowing blue circle shapes from where it hovered. There was no background lights from my tent or anywhere around me. Okay, that I can explain, or at least I can see why it's on a map about the unusual. Um, there's nothing else around me. Apparently, those are the only two things that have ever happened in my area. One, a gas station that has a really good root beer, and the other one is a UFO. Nothing else paranormal has ever happened. So, hopefully, since it's crowdfunded, there's going to be more and more stuff to add here. Um Oh, there's actually a lot. When you when you zoom out, it's just not around me. But if you zoom out, there's actually quite a lot. So again, it's called liminal.earth. I'll put the uh, I'll put it onto the Facebook page. I promise. I know I said I was gonna put something on from last week's episode. I still haven't yet. Don't worry, I will. But let's move on to the next story. Oh, I love this one. Hong Kong resident watching Nessie Cam to escape protests makes 14th sighting of the year. That's right, another Nessie sighting. It seems like this is becoming a weekly paranormal news uh, feature is Nessie sightings. I got to get a little Nessie sightings bumper music for every time they do that now. 
I'll, I'll look into doing that. I'll make some Nessie sightings uh, bumper music. I call this Nessie sightings madness mix. And it's don't worry, it's the only time it'll be played. I apologize in advance. This is what I came up with in less than two minutes. I'm sorry. Uh, Nessie's been spotted for the 14th time this year by a fan of the monster sitting 6,000 miles away in Hong Kong. Michael Yoon was watching the official webcam to escape the stress of the violent protests sweeping the former colony. And uh, you, sir, please be safe. Uh, he was amazed. He watched amazed as a large, dark object swam in a straight line across the bay for about three minutes. He was watching the live webcam feed on Wednesday evening when he saw the unknown object coming out of the bay. The object appears to make large ripples in the water as it moves across the lock before being lost behind a tree. Let's watch this one. Okay. I see. I see the lock. Oh, no, there it is. Ooh. Okay. This one is really interesting. I'm, I'll put this on the Facebook as well. Whoa, what the hell? It got bigger. I mean, I guess it could be a boat, but I don't think it is. I mean, it could be something crawling across the lens of the uh, camera. Let's let's skip ahead. Let's see what happens if I skip ahead. Oh, nope. It went out when it went away. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what the hell? I know, Stitch, I'm watching the Nessie cam. Hmm. Alright, there's a jump in the Nessie cam where it jumps from one side to the to the other, which makes me think it might be a bug. I hope it's not a bug on the lens. I'll put this on there as well. Um The 13th sighting was made by a man known only as Sean T from Kent. He was on holiday with his family. So there's been a lot of Nessie activity lately, and I gotta say, I love it. Speaking of Nessie, I just did a patron-only episode tangentially about the Loch Ness and Nessie. Well, I guess it's not tangentially, it's about them as well. Uh, but it's a really neat story that I really wanted to share, and I shared it with the patrons. So if you want to be a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. You can listen to all the back patron-exclusive episodes right there on Patreon. Um, and there's quite a few of them. Hopefully you guys like them. All right, Cheyenne, this next news story is just for you. Bob Philby has spent 30 years logging Bigfoot sightings up and down the West Coast. Here's what he learned. People with phone cameras are absorbed by taking selfies. I don't think any photos of Bigfoot will prove he exists no matter how sharp. I agree with that. Bob Philby has never seen Bigfoot himself, but he knows where he's been. In the late 80s, the Los Angeles native, a trained neuroscience neuroscientist whose resume includes stints as a commercial artist, antique shop owner, and ride operator at Disneyland. Okay, that's cool, but let's skip ahead. Uh, said that he wanted to start doing something. It took him nearly three decades. He moved to the Rogue River two years ago, finally got around to finishing his Oregon map, which Oregon, sorry, map, which he sells as an illustrated double-sided poster at Bigfoot, Bigfoot conventions and through his Etsy store, which they don't have a link to, and that kind of sucks. I would like to give this guy more credit, um, more links. Uh, Bob Philby is his name. Maybe you could search his Etsy store and find it. It features over 1,000 sightings across the state, along with an annotated guide of what he considers the most credible reports. And they said, uh, they start interviewing him. What led you to start mapping Sasquatch sightings? He said, let's just say I had interest in Bigfoot and decided to research the subject more. Having done so, 
came out with a map of sightings in California 32 years ago. It was always my plan to do Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia, and I have extensive notes for each, but laziness took over. It wasn't until moving to Oregon with some friends pressured me to finish the Oregon, Oregon Bigfoot map which I completed this spring after a year's research. I was particularly interested in older reports before Bigfoot became a media celebrity in the 60s. And I think that is awesome. He says, I went from Native American, minor, and frontiersman reports, which again, fan-freaking-tastic. I also concentrated my observations by train observers like police, Forest Service employees, biologists, engineers, and the likes. They said, well, what conclusions have you made? He goes, I have no theories or conclusions other than there's been a lot of reports of folks seeing Bigfoot or his tracks, so many that it's hard to believe all are confused, mistaken, or lying for publicity. They say, uh, what specific sites stand out to you? He said, number 101 is interesting because it involves the Oregon Department of Transportation with several witnesses, a named U.S. Forest Service ranger and medical doctor, a newspaper account, and the Smithsonian Museum, along with an account and exhibit numbers, and best of all, a corpus delecti now missing. What? Interesting. All right, I got to look more into this guy and more into these Bigfoot things. Maybe I'll have him on the show because I'm already intrigued. I already want to know more. I got to do way more research. Maybe it'll be coming up in an episode in the future. That about does it for Paranormal News. Again, if you want to send some Paranormal Almanac bumper music or Paranormal News bumper music, send it to ParanormalAlmanac at gmail.com. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then let's get to the haunted hotels. Okay, I'm back, and it would be weird if I wasn't, I suppose, because that'd be a really short episode, and who published the podcast if I was uh, killed or went missing during that break but i'm back hope you enjoyed the ad no idea what it was for hope you buy five of them or not i don't i don't care okay so i have talked to an author about haunted hotels i even talked about some haunted hotels in los angeles but let's really deep dive some of the most haunted hotels around the world now i'm gonna be jumping around the globe there is no rhyme no reason but i had to start with this first one because a co-worker of mine told me about this hotel himself. He said his parents had owned this hotel for a while and he had stayed there in it a lot when he was younger. He personally told me stories of shadow people, disembodied voices, sheets and blankets being found on the floor after the maid had done up the room, phantom smells, and sounds of people dancing with, quote, old-timey music. Now, he didn't want to come on the podcast, doesn't really believe in any of the paranormal, which always cracks me up. Hey, man, I've had a lot of these ghost things. I saw shadow people and disembodied voices, all that crap. I don't really believe in ghosts, though. How can you see that much stuff and not believe in ghosts? But anyhow, this very first one, it's called the Vendom Hotel in Prescott, Arizona. It was built in 1917, and it's a beautiful yet, quote, quaint independent hotel. There is one room in particular that seems to be the most active, and that's room 16. It's haunted by a woman and her cat. That's right, it's ghost cat time. Maybe, I think it might be the first time. No, I don't know if it's the first time we've ever had ghost cats. I think we've had other ghost cats, but ghost cats are rare. So I'm always excited when we get to ghost cat time. Abby Burr is the woman's name and the ghost cat's name is Noble. Now, depending on where you get your info, she either just stayed here because the dry desert heat helped her tuberculosis 
or her, her husband, and her cat came to Arizona and ended up buying the hotel Vendum and lived in room 16. Now, that version of the story ends with them losing the hotel due to unpaid taxes, and the new owners let them stay there until she died in the room in 1921. Sadly, Noble died shortly after her. Now, it's sadly that they both died, but, you know, it's really sad when a pet dies. Now, other versions say she and Noble died of starvation in room, in uh, that same room in 1921, in room 16 in 1921. So I just don't know what to believe, but it does seem that guests still hear her and more importantly, Noble to this day. They say she messes with objects you set down, moving them or throwing them, that she also likes to mess with the lights, fans, faucets, and bedding. Now, Noble, well, he's heard scratching and meowing to get out or in the room, and purring can be heard at night. So if you've always wanted to stay in a hotel room with a woman and her ghost cat, a, a ghost woman and her ghost cat, boy, do I have the hotel for you. And before I move on, the current owners have a large binder which holds information, sightings, and manifestations of Abby and Noble. Now, below are just some samples listed in the notebook. The closet hangers have been heard moving by themselves, and the sound of a cat toy being played with can be heard as well. Guests have experienced objects being moved when they're not looking, being touched softly by unseen presences, hearing or feeling Noble or Abby sitting on the bed, feeling uh, that it's got to be weird. If you're laying in the bed and all of a sudden you feel someone sit down in the bed next to you when there's nobody there, or, I mean, I wouldn't care if a ghost cat sat next to me, but if a ghost sat down on the bed that I was laying in, that would freak me out a little bit. Uh, guests have also reported are smelling the smell of a strong perfume and feeling a gentle, cool breeze blow past them in the room. Abby sometimes appears to guests and speaks to them. She especially likes to appear when people are sleeping and talk to them until they wake up and see her. Creepy. Abby's a little on the creepy side. Spirit orbs have been photographed in the dark in the room 16 by psychic researchers. But you know how I feel about orbs, so the next on this list. Uh, footsteps have been heard in room 16, which traveled down the hall and descended down the stairs to the lobby. Maids report that if they have the TV on while cleaning room 16, Abby will turn down the TV if she doesn't like it, or turn it up if she does. And they all say that she hates MTV and will turn it off if it's put on. So if you're going to stay in this uh, Vendom Hotel in room 16 and you really want to get in touch with Abby, that seems like a good one to me. Above the entrance to the Vendom, spirit entities have been seen in various forms, but they don't say what, and that really bums me out. If they're going to say something that specific and that specific of a location, give more details. So like I said, a lot of activity in a cool hotel that actually rents out the most haunted room by request, but they say demand is high, so get your reservations in early. Okay, up next is the Hotel Chelsea in New York, or as it's more commonly known, the Chelsea Hotel. If you've listened to Leonard Cohen music, you've heard the song Chelsea Hotel. It's about this hotel. I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel. You were talking so brave and so sweet. Giving me head on the unmade bed. While the limousines wait in the street. This one's famous, but just in case you don't know about its history, here is a very, very quick recap. 
It was built between 1883 and 1885, and I don't mean somewhere in between. That's when they started it and when they finished it. It used to be the home for a lot of people because it was open to long-term residents, and some took that long-term part very seriously because the same ghosts have been seen here for almost 100 years now. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey while staying at the Chelsea. Bette Midler, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison all stayed here. Poets Dylan Thomas, Allen Ginsberg, and Gregory Corso worked and or stayed here. But it's most famously, well to me anyway, famously known as the place where Nancy was killed, probably by her boyfriend Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. Now, as of August 1st, 2011, the hotel closed for renovations, but fear not, it is set to reopen later this year, 2019. Alrighty, cool stuff ahead. There are plenty of famous guests and ghosts at Chelsea Hotel, including Dylan Thomas, who despite what a ton of websites say, Dylan Thomas did not die in the Chelsea Hotel. But he did have to get rushed to the nearby hospital while staying there in 1953, where he died soon after arriving at the hospital. He was not pronounced dead. He did not die in the Chelsea Hotel. Now, many people claim they've seen his face at the hotel, especially in or around room 206 where he stayed. Nancy's ghost is seen here not doing much by the sounds of it. She's just seen hanging around her old room where allegedly Sid Vicious stabbed her to death and she died under the bathroom sink in room 100. Sopranos actor Michael Imperioli, well, he encountered a ghost named Mary, who is a Titanic survivor, on the fifth floor when he was at the Chelsea Hotel. Now, it does seem that a lot of Titanic survivors did stay at the Chelsea Hotel after being rescued, so this one's really interesting. But now, now comes the take with a grain of salt kind of a rumor. About Mary, that is. Mary became distraught after losing everyone on the Titanic and hanged herself in the room. Her ghost is often seen at the west end of the building, where the archway is that in the where the archway is in that hallway, where the original large apartment's entryway would have been. Mary is checking herself out in the mirror, and because of this, she is referred to as the vain ghost. But I can't find any proof that a Titanic survivor committed suicide after, you know, being rescued from the Titanic. Then there's a random ghost that has been named Nadia, the severed hand ghost. Now here's the probably bullshit story. Bullshit story incoming in three, two, one. In 1922, the New York Times reported on a young woman in her 20s who flung herself out of the window facing 23rd Street and meeting her death on the sidewalk. Before her fatal plunge, Nadia had placed her hand in the middle of a huge industrial scissors used to cut bolts of cloth. She closed the scissors and cut off her right hand. Well, duh, what the fuck would she expect to happen if you take ginormous industrial scissors, stick your hand in it, and, in, you know, close the scissors? Hey, uh, in case you guys don't know, chopping off your hand hurts a lot. According to this bullshit story, the pain was more than she expected. Come on. Therefore, she threw herself out of the window. Now, I want to say that I wasted money going through the New York Times archives of 1922, where this story was supposedly reported. And guess what? I couldn't find anything about some dumbass woman 
who chops off her hand, decided it hurt too much, and then jumped out of a window. I only read you a part of the Nadia BS because it kept going and going and going. It was too dumb, frankly, so you're welcome. But here's some more ghost BS about her. It is on a moonless nights that Nadia can be seen flitting outside the windows of the upper floors of the Chelsea Hotel, her long hair and wispy white gown flowing behind her. She wants to come back to the Chelsea Hotel, but she cannot find her way back inside the hotel. Or she no longer has a hand to open up the door and or window to get back in. She's not a smart person from what it sounds like when she was alive. She's probably a dumb ghost as well. Okay, now here's a quick rundown of the famous rooms of the Chelsea Hotel. Room 105, actress Edie Sedgwick moved here after setting her room on fire. What room? They don't say. This room was above the lobby and staff wanted to keep a close eye on her, angry about her, quote, fire antics. Room 114, in 2009, a hotel guest, Anna, claimed to have had a paranormal experience on the last night of a three-night stay at the hotel. While in bed, she felt afraid then heard a loud door slam, followed by what sounded like someone running for several minutes. She then heard footsteps around her, quote, inside her room. The experience culminated with Anna, with Anna seeing a severed head in the dramatic theater makeup hovering in front of the bedroom mirror. Anna said it appeared to be the face of writer Dylan Thomas. Okay, so much BS contained in one bullshit story. So, she's in a hotel... It's a loud hotel. It's an older hotel. She hears doors slamming and people running. That's just a hotel. Then she hears footsteps around her inside the room. Meh. But then she sees the severed head in dramatic theater makeup hovering in front of the bedroom mirror. And it's of Dylan Thomas, who was not beheaded. As far as I know, Dylan Thomas did not like to make himself up in dramatic theater makeup and pretend to be beheaded. I don't know. I don't buy that one at all. But if you stay at the Chelsea Hotel, stay in room 114. If you see Dylan Thomas in dramatic theater makeup hovering in front of a severed head of Dylan Thomas in dramatic theater makeup hovering in front of a mirror, well, then Anna, I apologize. Room 120. In 2008, Steve Clark, who is a guest there that says he is sensitive to spirit energy, stayed in this room for only 10 minutes before requesting a new one. He said, quote, there was a sad energy in the back by the bathroom. Couldn't breathe well. Okay. Room 124. Multiple visitors to this suite reported the they heard a female voice screaming, a ghostly presence in the bathroom, and seeing the blurry ghost of an old man. One of the reports included a photo they had taken in the room. It, it appears to show a skeleton standing behind a door frame, and they didn't notice until they got home. I've looked at the photo. I am not going to share the photo because there is nothing in the photo. Room 205, Dylan Thomas' room. He moved into Chelsea on October 20th, 1953. Uh, and he died. Many guests see him here as well, as well as hearing aggressive footsteps in the room he stayed in. Ooh, aggressive. Room 211, Bob Dylan stayed in there in the 60s, but he's still alive, so if you see him, or if you see someone you think is the, the ghost of Bob Dylan, it's probably just Bob Dylan. Room 323, Club Kid Christina lived at the hotel in the 80s. She died in a room in June of 89. She was dead for five days before her body was discovered. That sucks. Room 415, Janis Joplin's room. And that really does suck. I'm not just jumping past that. Room 415, Janis Joplin's room at the Chelsea, where she had her infamous tryst with Leonard Cohen. Hence the song. Um, 
Room 424, Leonard Cohen stayed there in the 60s, 442. Andy Warhol brought uh, Edie Sedgwick here in 1965. Room 515, John Bon Jovi wrote the song and filmed the video for Midnight at the Chelsea here. Room 614, Arthur Miller lived here with his daughter. Uh, room 822, this is where Madonna took the photographs for her book, Sex. Room 829, Thomas Wolfe spent the last few years of his life there. He died in 1938. Room 915, uh, hotel guest Steve Clark says that he was awakened at 4 a.m. and handed a glow-in-the-dark frisbee by an energy. He said he was not frightened by the encounter and was able to get back to sleep. Hey, um, if you stay here, if you're ever awakened by a ghost, you don't even have to be staying here. If you're ever awakened by a ghost at 4 a.m. and they hand you a glow-in-the-dark frisbee, then play frisbee with them. They're not reenacting Tron with you. They want to play Frisbee. So if some, quote, energy gives you a glow-in-the-dark Frisbee, Steve Clark, don't go back to sleep. Play Frisbee. Room 1017, Patty Smith lived here, as well as Robert, Robert Maplethorpe. Um, so that's about it. That's about it with the whole cool, famous, cool rooms. If you want a cool New York ghost experience, I would say the Chelsea Hotel is the place to be. Lots of paranormal activity, lots of rooms, a lot of cool celebrity ghosts. So if you want celebrities and you want ghosts, it's the place to be. Okay, up next is the Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, Kurt, these hotels of the world don't seem to be from around the world. Don't worry, I'll get there. Uh, right now we're in North Carolina. The Omni Grove Park Inn, uh, Omni Grove Park Inn in, in North Carolina. Construction began in 1912. And the Grove Park Inn opened on July 12, 1913. George Gershwin, Harry Houdini, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and even President Obama have all stayed at the Grove Park. But the most famous resident is the Pink Lady from room 545. Now, that's a spirit that has been seen and felt for almost 100 years. She is said to be the spirit of a young woman who fell to her death from a balcony on the fifth floor of the inn in the 1920s. She's usually seen in the form of a pink mist or sometimes as a full-fledged apparition of a young woman in a pink ball gown. Very good, very specific details. She seems to particularly enjoy the company of children and seems a little bit more than willing to reveal herself to them to, than to adults. And they don't mean reveal herself like flashing kids. They just mean the kids can see her. The kids can see her ghost. She has been seen by the beds of children who were taken ill during a stay at the inn speaking softly to them and gently stroking their hand. In one quote-unquote famous case, a doctor who had been staying with his family at the Grove Park left a note when he checked out asking the staff to thank the lady in the pink ball gown and that his children told him how much they enjoyed playing with her during their stay. She has also been blamed for flipping on lights, turning on and off air conditioners and other electrical devices they just say they just turn on and off by themselves, but they assume it's her. She seems to enjoy rearranging objects in the room, and it's also been said that she occasionally wakes up a sleeping guest with a good tickling on the feet. Now, I gotta say, I liked everything up until that point. I don't wanna kick some nice pink ghost in the face for tickling my feet as I sleep. So, pink mist Tarantino ghost, leave my feet alone, okay? I don't need you to tickle my feet while I'm trying to sleep just because you don't have to sleep anymore. Back the F up. Go find a kid to play with. Leave my feet alone. Alrighty, next up gets a little closer to my home. It's the Georgian in Santa Monica, California. 
Now, the Georgian opened in 1933, and at the time, it was one of the city's tallest hotels. It was also a popular spot for famous gangsters and the Hollywood elite, with the likes of Al Capone and Bugsy Siegel as regular visitors to the hotel. Now, it was converted into apartments in the 1960s, then back to a hotel in the 1990s. According to the Santa Monica Daily Press, some current guests allege the spirits of former tenants still linger with stories circling of staff getting phone calls from unoccupied rooms and hearing voices in the former speakeasy space. They also see ghosts throughout the entire hotel. In an otherwise empty restaurant, employees have heard loud sighs or gasps, disembodied voices calling good morning, and the sounds of running footsteps. One guest of the hotel recounts a story of taking a shower only to wake up to find his suitcase empty. That's a really poorly worded story. He's taking a shower only to wake up to find his suitcase empty. Did he fall asleep in the shower? I think they meant he took a shower, went to bed, then woke up to find his suitcase empty, the covers on the bed turned down, and the television on. Or maybe he was taking a shower only to walk out to find his suitcase empty, the covers on the bed turned down, and the television on. But I didn't write that, they did. A front desk clerk reported that while working on an overnight shift, a call came in from a room. The clerk only heard the sound of someone giggling, and it turns out no one was checked in to that specific room. Okay, so we're a few into this list. I did say it's hotels around the world. So far, I failed miserably, so let's fix that now. Let's head on over to London to the Langham Hotel, which has been around since about 1865. Guests have reported seeing the apparition of a German prince, a German soldier, and a doctor who murdered his wife, then killed himself on their honeymoon, amongst others. I've always wondered about these kind of things where they say, oh yeah, and then the husband killed his wife and then himself on their honeymoon. So you went through a shitty relationship, got married. That night, you decide, eh, fuck it, I'm killing her and killing myself. There's got to be a better way than that. Uh, the spirit of Emperor Napoleon III, who lived at the Langham during his last days in exile, has also said to occupy the basement. And if you're looking for the most haunted room, then definitely stay in room 333. Other ghosts seen here are a man with a gaping wound on his face. Now, he tends to stick to the hallways. A ghost who has a thing for tipping guests out of bed while they're sleeping. That sucks. Dick move on that ghost. And he once shook the bed in room 333 with such enthusiasm that the occupant fled the hotel in the middle of the night. Also seen here is a butler seen wandering the corridors in his holy socks. Holy as in socks with holes in them. Not that, you know, the Pope blessed the socks. And also a footman in pale blue livery and powdered wig, often accompanied by a sudden drop in temperature. It sounds like it's a seriously cool hotel, though, and I really, really do want to stay here when or if I ever get to visit London. There's a lot of historical ghosts there at this hotel, and I, I'd i be pretty much fine with all of them. I don't want to be dumped out of my bed while I'm sleeping. I don't really want to see a ghost with a gaping wound on his face. I'd feel bad for that ghost, but the rest of them, sure, it seems fine. All right, up next, let's go down under for the next couple. To the Russell Hotel in Sydney, Australia, it's built in 1900. A sailor is said to have never checked out of room 8, and numerous guests have encountered his presence 
and the unexplained sound of someone walking over creaky floors can be frequently heard. Staff members have heard many unexplained footsteps and disembodied voices. Now this one seems harmless. So seems great to me. Roommate, that's the most haunted room if you want to stay at the Russell Hotel in Sydney. Let's stay in Australia for the next one. Go over to the Eastern Hotel in Ballarat, Victoria. It was built in 1862. Now this cool place has a pub that has several ghosts, including the original owner, Thomas Redshaw Hunt, who witnesses say you will smell his strong tobacco smoke before you hear his voice, or in the case of a recent manager, he went to go wait on a patron only to see it was the ghost of Redshaw Hunt who then vanished right before his eyes. Another ghost of the scene here is a sad one. It's a two-year-old boy who drowned in a mining puddle, also an English mother and her daughter. The mother, Maggie, the daughter, Sarah, who died in one of the rooms from yellow fever. Now, two indigenous caretakers are also seen walking through the hotel. And lastly, there was an Irishman who was stabbed in the hotel's kitchen. So he is seen there often as well. So a lot of ghosts, a couple of sad kid ghosts that always bum me out. Um, but a lot of ghosts nonetheless. Okay, let's jump over to Malaysia for the first world hotel in Pahang, Malaysia. This hotel is huge. It has 7,351 rooms. Let me say that again. 7,000, over 7,000 rooms in this hotel. There's an indoor theme park, a tropical rainforest, and ghosts. Sadly, it seems most of the paranormal activity revolves around people jumping from the balconies or from the roof after losing everything in the hotel casino. Some visitors are reported poltergeists making noise in the hall and the rooms, disembodied children laughing, that's always creepy, furniture being moved all night. When the management gets called, they let the guests know that no one is booked in that room and when security goes to check on it, all the furniture is slid to the center of the room. They also hear toilets flushing. Mm, nope, not paranormal, sorry. They see someone walking by their bed in the middle of the night and jumping off the balcony only to disappear right as they jump. Okay, that's probably more paranormal. Uh, people looking in the windows from outside of the rooms on the 17th floor. That seems creepy and paranormal. So yeah, an insanely huge, creepy hotel in Malaysia. They don't give specific rooms, but... 17th floor does seem to be a hot spot. Okay, now this next one, I'm probably gonna get a couple of things wrong. It's in Sweden, and it's called the Tuftaholm Hergard. And it's a 14th century former manor on the shores of Lake Vidostern in southern Sweden. BS rumor time, the hotel is a famous ghost of a young peasant boy who is often seen. Now, the backstory for him is he fell in love with the Baron's daughter who owned the home and she was forced into an arranged marriage against her will. The young boy hanged himself in room 325 on the morning of their wedding. When I tried to find any proof of this, there is none. There is literally the same BS story regurgitated a million times with no proof whatsoever. So, sure, they might see the ghost of a young boy who hanged himself, but... I don't believe the rest of this story. Guests have also reported footsteps, windows are said to open and close by themselves, and the apparition of a young man has been seen wandering restlessly through the halls. Okay, let's stay in Sweden and go over to Appertins Hergard 
for a story that I can't even begin to confirm, but here it is anyway. Apperton's Hergard is a seriously old country cottage that was turned into a hotel, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the good stuff. A princess or widow, most sites say powerful widow, named Sarah Kashda Lohenheim is said to have danced herself to death with the devil in the building, leaving behind a bloodstain that to this day cannot be washed away. Okay, so I googled the hell out of this. I cannot find one photo, one video, one frame of a video or photo or anything of the bloodstain that to this day can't be washed away from where she danced with the devil to her death. Boo, internet, boo. So, to continue on with this story, she is still sometimes seen dancing through the corridors, but Sarah isn't the only ghost on the site because Countess Carletta, Carlotta von Hurten is also said to walk restlessly through the premises and occasionally checks the silver in a box in one of the rooms. What that means, I have no idea. So, a lot of stuff I can't prove, but if your big, big, big story is that she left behind a bloodstain that to this day cannot be washed away, you better as hell, you sure as shit, better have a fucking bloodstain somewhere that nobody can wash away. Because if you don't, stop telling that story. Alrighty, let's leave Sweden and head back to America for a little bit to the Hanover Inn in Dartmouth. It was built in 1780. It's located in Hanover, New Hampshire. And Dartmouth's ghost stories seem to uh, include the tale of nine fraternity brothers who died in the room in 1934. Now this one I did look into and that part is true. Carbon monoxide killed nine members of the Theta Chi fraternity February 25th 1934. So supposedly these frat brothers are still seen here often, including more than one living guest has come face to face with a room that isn't there and a party of those young men and their dates. So if you go to this, uh, if you go to the Hanover Inn in Dartmouth, you might just get to go to a party in a ghost room. That sounds insanely cool. I mean, it sucks that all these guys died from carbon monoxide poisoning. It really sucks. And like I said, that's true. I could find that newspaper story. But they're partying the fuck out of the Hanover Inn in Dartmouth. Bouncing around the globe, let's head over to the Dalhousie, Dalhousie, Dalhousie Castle in Scotland. One of those might be close to being right. It was built in the 13th century. It's a castle. You can now stay in it. Let's get to the ghosts. So dozens of ghosts are seen here on a regular basis, including the ghost of Sir Alexander Ramsay. It's alleged that in 1342, he was starved to death by William Douglas. His emaciated ghost is still seen wandering through the castle. Someone give that ghost a sandwich. There's another ghost here too. She's known as the Grey Lady or the ghost of Lady Catherine who haunts the castle's dungeon. Don't know why, but that's cool. I like everything about that. I want to stay in a castle. Now let's jump over to Ross Castle in Ireland. Same thing. It's a castle. It's old. You can stay here. Let's get to the ghosts. All right, for this one, according to local legend, Sabina, the daughter of an evil English lord known as the Black Baron, roams the halls of Ross Castle, while the Baron himself haunts the grounds outside of the castle. There are a lot of tales about paranormal investigations being done at the castle, but after reading them, 
in my opinion, in my opinion only, here's what they heard during these paranormal investigations. They heard a bird, another bird, the wind, the creaking of a 15th century castle, an animal outside in the woods, another bird, no ghosts whatsoever. Now I'm not saying this castle isn't haunted, but one paranormal investigation that you can Google to find, because I don't want to out somebody's paranormal investigation, but it's pretty easy to find if you just kind of Google Ross Castle paranormal investigation. It's just filled with BS. You're staying in a castle. You're going to hear wind. You're going to hear birds. You're going to hear animals. None of that was paranormal. This seems to me like a very, I don't want to say amateur paranormal investigation team, but I'm going to, a very amateur paranormal investigation team that freaked themselves out because they were walking around in a castle in pitch black in the middle of the night. From there, let's head on over to Mumbai to the Taj Mahal Palace. It's known as one of the most haunted hotels in India. And again, grain of salt time, the building's architect, Sidaram Kendera Vaida Vaidya, was so upset when he returned from a vacation to find that the workers had built the hotel facing the wrong direction that he jumped to his death from the fifth floor. I don't know if that's true. He definitely died, and another architect finished the job, but then there are other sites that say the other architect killed himself at the hotel. Now, I don't think that part is true. It does seem like this architect died, another architect took over. Anyhow, ghost time. Sidaram is seen roaming the halls of the hotel to this day, and also disembodied voices are heard coming from the roof, possibly. Now, unfortunately, and this gets really sad in a second, I apologize. Unfortunately, a terrorist attack happened here in 2008, with at least 167 people dying in the hotel from it. Many people have seen ghosts since then, and they think it's the terror attack victims. It's a really sad, terrifying story that I'm not going to go into here because it's just too new. I apologize. From there, let's go back to America to the Omni Shoreham Hotel in Washington. This is in Washington, D.C. I apologize. In Washington, D.C. It was built in 1930, and this one I do have to give you the history on. The builder of the hotel was having some kind of financial troubles, so he got a backer to come in and help in exchange for a free suite at the hotel. The backer's housekeeper died suddenly in the suite of natural causes. It was very mysterious and very weird, but she died in the room. After the housekeeper's death, the backer's adopted daughter died in the same room. Then a third person died in that same room years later. So, three people all dying in Suite 870. Most people say because of this, strange things happen in and around this suite. Television and lights will suddenly go on at 4 a.m. Housekeepers would find their carts had been moved and people report feeling a breeze in the hotel room with all the windows closed, no AC on. Guests staying in the room next door often call down to the front desk with noise complaints coming out of 870 when there's nobody checked in. Staff and guests soon reported hearing faint voices and witnessed, close, witnessed doors closing and opening by themselves. Some occupants say that they came back to the room with the furniture completely rearranged. The room has since been called the Ghost Suite. And you can book it and see for yourself, but one of the managers of the hotel who stayed in the suite 
also witnessed the lights in the walk-in closet turning on and off by themselves. So there does seem to be something going on in Suite 870 at the Omni Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C., with a very good reason. These deaths do seem to be real. They all did seem to happen in the hotel. They're all reported to have happened in Suite 870. There's a lot of bad mojo going on in that room, so it doesn't surprise me that that one is uh, haunted. Alrighty, let's go down to South Africa to the Lord Milner Hotel. Now, it's located in, nope, Mattis, Matt, Matthias Fontaine, Matthias, Matthias Fontaine, South Africa. Sure, why not? It's well known for a ghost named Lucy who scares off guests by screaming and making noise in the room, but mostly from behind closed doors. That seems a little sketchy. Open the door, see if there's someone actually standing there. If it's not, then it might be Lucy. And they also have been reported disembodied moans and screams throughout this hotel. So if you're staying in the Lord Milner Hotel in some crazy named town in South Africa, do me a favor. You hear somebody screaming and making noise, open the doors and look behind them. Let's stay in South Africa for a bit, because next up is the Foxwood House Boutique Hotel. And it's located in Johannesburg, South Africa. This one was built in 1924 as one of the first houses in the area. Foxwood House is said to have had two ghosts that are seen here often. Guests have reported seeing the figure of a woman holding a child on the balcony, while others say they've seen the ghost of Paul Kruger of the Krugerrand. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Next up, still staying in South Africa, the Hotel Glynkern. This one is considered to be the most haunted areas in South Africa. Both guests and staff report hearing more than a couple of ghost sightings. So there's been a bunch of ghosts, more than a couple, repeatedly. A black-haired woman wearing a white dress sometimes appears in mirrors, while a little boy can often be seen running in front of the kitchen, playing pranks, and breaking glasses. So he sounds like kind of a little dick boy ghost. Okay, wrapping it up in South Africa haunted hotels, there's the Mountain Park Hotel in Balwer, South Africa, where two drunk ghosts can be seen in the bar, while the ghosts of Ruth the Governess, seven-year-old Matilda, and Wisp the Dog have all been sighted here. So, lots of ghost activity with very specific names. Okay, from there, let's run over to Russia to the Angleteer Hotel in St. Petersburg where the famous Russian poet Sergei Isonin, Isonin, Isonin was found dead in room number five in 1925, and his ghost has been seen here ever since. That was a quick one. Now to Thailand, to the Bioki Sky Hotel in Bangkok, Thailand. Sounds from the bathtub, footsteps, key cards that mysteriously move, and even the sensation of something cold passing by is felt here often. Now over to Hong Kong to the hotel president in Macaw. One guest complained that she would smell the overpowering perfume in her bathroom, and the next morning she found her makeup, which she had laid neatly on the countertop the night before, in complete disarray. What she later discovered, quote, gave her the chills. A gruesome murder took place in her room in 1997. After having sex with two prostitutes, a man killed them both, chopped up their bodies, and flushed the parts down the toilet. Now, another traveler checked into room 1009 at 2 a.m. 
Apparently, he saw an old man wearing a vest and reading glasses enter the room and vanish without a trace, without ever hearing the sound of the door open or close. So you got two rooms here. One of them we know, room 1009. That seems pretty, uh, that seems pretty benign. It's just some old man wearing a vest and reading glasses, and he walks through the room. The other one, I cannot confirm any of that happened. I can't confirm some dude had sex with two prostitutes, then chopped them both up and flushed the parts down the toilet. Because it seems kind of far-fetched to me. Of the chopping up part, sure, that happens, that's terrible. But chopping them up so finely and flushing, you know how many flushes that would take to flush two full prostitutes down a toilet? I don't, I'm not, I don't know the answer. I didn't do the research. I don't think... I, I, I suppose I could ask Siri, but I would hate the fact that she might actually have that answer. So you're going to have to find out for yourself how many flushes it takes to flush down two chopped up prostitutes. Okay, let's go off to Norway to the Hotel Unionoi. Oh, I'm sorry, Stitch. I didn't mean to step on you. To the Hotel Unionoi near Geiranger, Norway. Sorry, Norwegians. I should really know. I'm, you know, Sandvig is Norwegian. You think I would actually know what it's called? Now, this one is built in 1891. Let's get right to the story. A few years after the hotel opened, a maid fell in love with a German military man, a member of Kaiser Wilhelm's entourage. The man asked his wife, the man asked his wife in Germany for a divorce, which she refused to grant. In despair, the man committed suicide. Upon learning of his death, the maid Linda drowned herself, and Linda is still heard in the blue room crying. Look, Norway and Germany, eh, they're kind of close together. But it's 1891. That guy could have just went, yeah, screw the wife in Germany that won't give me a divorce. I'm just going to stay in Norway with Linda. Neither of us have to kill each other. No ghosts. Solve the ghosts. But they did. Linda's heard in the Blue Room. And the Blue Room is now so popular that reservations must be made at least a year in advance. And if you do go and stay in the Blue Room, here is a tip from their website itself. To get Linda to show herself, put out a plate of onions or garlic outside the door of the room. Supposedly, this works every time. So again, I want to stay here. 100% want to stay here. I also want to stay in this room. I want to stay in the blue room. And I am sure as shit going to put out a plate of onions and garlic so I can chat with Linda and tell her to stop crying over some dude from 1891. It's not worth it. No dude's worth that. Okay. Where we, oh, wow, we're already having over an hour. Okay, I've got tons more. I'm going to definitely do a follow-up episode because while researching this episode, I noticed that I could Google haunted hotel and then pick any country and a bunch would pop up for me to investigate. I have not found one country yet that doesn't at least have one haunted hotel. So maybe the next one, I will just find an alphabetical list of countries and go kind of like Wacko from, uh, is it Yakko or Wacko from the Animaniacs and just go down the list. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too. Or they might be giants and go down the list of countries. Just go from A to Z with one haunted hotel from each country. So stay tuned because I bet you any money there will be a future episode sequel to this one where I do just that. Okay, I hope you guys like these list ones. I really like doing them. There is a ton of information about haunted hotels. Seems like almost every hotel is haunted. 
And I can kind of get why. I can kind of get behind that. So many people go into hotels. Sadly, not all of them ever check out. Some of them die in their sleep. Some of them die from whatever, heart attacks or whatever. Some die from drug overdoses, suicides. Suicides are really prevalent in hotels, sadly. Um, I know a lot of people that have worked at hotels or had loved ones that worked at hotels that say, oh yeah, we find people that kill themselves in hotel rooms all the time. So with that baggage, usually does come paranormal you know, activity. So I can kind of get behind that. And not only that, I'm talking about a lot of these places from the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, 14th century. There's been a lot of people, some having incredibly great times that they're attached to them, some having incredibly horrific times, and that's why they're attached to, that's why they're attached to these hotels. So I can totally see why hotels are one of the best places to see a ghost if you go to a haunted hotel, not just any hotel. Don't just go to your local uh, Best Western and be like, Kurt, I stayed there last night. I didn't see no ghosts. That's not on me, man. That's on you. Um, I hope you guys like this one. Like I said, definitely going to do a sequel to it. There are so many more. Literally just so many more. Just the outline for this episode. I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, 16. Jesus Christ. It just keeps going. I literally could have made this one a two or three hour episode, but I didn't want to do that one. I would much rather do a sequel episode, keep them to about an hour. It seems to be the the time frame that everybody likes, and then just do a lot more of these. But but seriously, I've got a lot more haunted hotels coming up. I've got a lot of stuff coming up because we're getting closer and closer to episode 100, and I'm starting to panic because I have not recorded enough yet. Because I wanted to, my plan is for episode 100 to record bits here, record bits here, record bit here, and then just kind of combine them all together so you guys can have a three-hour episode. I still think it's going to be around three hours. I hope it is. Fingers crossed. That's my plan. But there's interviews that I still haven't done yet. There's a quite a few interviews I still haven't done yet. I was supposed to do one last Sunday. I didn't get a chance to do it. I will get it done. I'm going to make episode 100 a crazy long, cool episode just for you guys as a thank you to everybody for listening to Paranormal Almanac. Thank you guys so much. Let me leave you with this question. Knowing the specific room numbers for a lot of these hotels, you know exactly where ghosts are seen and seen here often. Would you stay in a haunted hotel room? If you don't know my story about the haunted hotel room, it's on a previous episode. We stayed in a haunted hotel room. We didn't even know it was haunted. It was haunted by Montgomery Cliff. I'm going to guess it was on the um, one of the Hollywood episodes, but listen to them all. Find that episode. Tell me what episode it was. But I stayed in a haunted hotel room and I didn't even know it. I wish I would have known it. I would have been more on the lookout for paranormal activity, but it was actually kind of cool that I didn't know it and still had a paranormal experience. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Algeria, Bulgaria, Cambodia, Dominica, Egypt, France, the Gambia, Hungary, Iran, Japan, Kazakhstan, Libya, and Mongolia. Norway, Oman, Pakistan, Qatar, Russia, Suriname, Turkey, Uruguay, Vietnam, West Xylophone, Yemen, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. <laughs>